Hey, wonderfuls. Welcome to episode 382 of the JV Club with my guest, Adel Rafai. If you are a fan of either of his marvelous podcasts, um, Hello from the Magic Tavern or Hey Riddle Riddle, you know him to be just a delightful human being. I have been so uh, pleased to develop a, a friendship with him. I couldn't sound more. I sound so officious. I feel like I'm at a Senate hearing. I have been very pleased indeed to have developed a, what some might call, what some humans might call a friendship with Adel. Uh, uh, but I do want to quickly say that I, I feel like he went deep with me and, you know, episodes vary on this podcast. Um, and sometimes we dig in a little more and I feel like he willingly went there with me. And I think he has such a fascinating and unique story. And um, again, is just a person with a very good heart. So uh, I hope you enjoy this episode as we cruise through week three of Max Fun Drive. Thank you to those of you who have been in a position to become members or upgrade your membership in any way that you that you can and have been able to it's hard out there and I appreciate you I appreciate you I appreciate you I appreciate you even if you listen to my podcast and you didn't click my podcast as being one of your tops because I know there's a ton of great podcasts on Mac, Max Fun please know that um, it's all about supporting the network and I love that and I appreciate you um, as you know Max Fun Drive is usually when we release our bonus content if you are already a member you know that you have hopefully already been able to listen to a bonus content uh, that uh, features episodes with Darcy Carden and Tatiana Maslani uh, from the JV Club. I was so excited to see that Darcy was nominated for an Emmy for The Good Place. That's awesome! And then Tatiana was a presenter of the Emmy nominations. I've lost the ability to speak. I bet a lot of you can relate to that right now in these pandemic times. Uh, So at any rate, if you have an interest in those and you have the ability to contribute, you can become a member very easily at Maximum Fund org slash join. You can choose an amount that fits within your monthly budget. Be it $5 a month, be it $10 a month, be it $20 a month, where you get a mash game with me. Uh, whatever level you choose, your support combined with that of other MaxFun members like you, I almost said MunFax members like you, enable us to keep producing this show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You can go to MaximumFun.org slash join to sign up. You can see all the cool gifts available. Um, And just as a reminder, the bonus content doesn't just go for my podcast. It goes for every single podcast on MaxFun. So it's an embarrassment of riches. All right, I'm going to pipe down. I will, uh, this version of me will talk to you about halfway through the show. But right now I want to make room for past Janet and past Adel for uh, this episode of the JV Club. Thanks, you guys and friends and wonderfuls. How, how 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 are you? How even are you? <laughs> how are you? How are, um, how are you? I'm doing okay. I think it's I don't know. This year's obviously this year, so yeah, it's 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 weirdly that yeah, it's what a fatiguing month, even for yeah. like all the good stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm just very tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I find that I have my work ethic is. Uh, deteriorating to nothing like I'll send one email I'll send one email and then like lay down for three hours 
which is insane. Uh, <laughs> and the and email also, is just unsubscribe to J Crew. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I also have no like every, and I'm sure this is across the board, and, and probably even worse for you. But every communication I have with anyone has to be a Zoom call. Right. And it just gets so exhausting to be like, I just want to be in my sweatpants and like unwashed hair. But then someone's like, we have to see each other. And I'm like, I don't, this call doesn't require us to do that. Right. So then I have to like, you know, get ready and look presentable. And that's exhausting. Are they, is is that a situation that you think the next step will be you simply saying like, I'm only available by phone or yeah. these, these calls? Because I have already, I mean, I guess I'm, I've done that to you today but you clearly also didn't want to do zoom as i'm so i mean i'm so i'm so used to st- like you know before all of this happened i was perfectly content to sit in pajamas and just hear someone's voice because in, for a podcast recording because in my mind yeah. you know we're we're only going to be heard by people in their ears anyway so what, yeah. <laughs> like whether or not we're looking at each other um but agreed yeah i've i feel like i've kind of I've started rebelling against it because um, there's only so like so many comfortable positions that you can sit in if you're on yeah. Zoom. Yeah. And like I need to be able to just like lie back sometimes. And Janet, just... you're correct. Right. You are correct. And what? I've started to do with with my Zoom calls. Like if we have a Magic Tavern Zoom call or something, I just put I just uh, remove the the visual, uh, remove the camera, turn yeah. that off. And then I'm, I'll make some excuse where I'm like, oh, my cats are going crazy today. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I love but that really, you're admitting that yeah. when it's when it's your friends and colleagues that you constantly record with, <laughs> that somehow you're willing to disclose that to me on a yeah. public podcast, but not just tell them in the moment that it's I don't, don't want to make anybody feel bad. <laughs> I don't want my white lies to make anyone feel bad. Uh, oh, I'm so glad we're on the same freaking wavelength about... Mm-hmm about that because that is part of it the the eye the eye fatigue of looking at the screen all of that stuff is is like sort of very real and i feel like i have to like smile the whole time Uh where it's like unless unless i'm like smiling or or moving people are like is that all frozen or like what's going on and i'm like no still here it's just it's an energy drain it's an energy drain uh, uh, let's play. Let's play the. And by the way, I'm saying this like it's a thing I've done. I have z- done it exactly zero times. Okay. But if Classic. you if you could, and also, why don't I just do this at the end when we play a ridiculous mash game anyway? But what if you if we if you could be doing anything right now within the context of you still being you know in your home environs, like not you know not put. I'm not going to put you in Bali, but like mm-hmm. if you would just be having a, a Saturday right now in the Chicago area, what would you like to be doing right now? In terms of I can be outside, I can do anything I want? Yeah. I mean, I got to be honest, This the whole quarantine is not different from my day-to-day life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I rarely, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of a homebody. Yeah, me too. So I typically, um, I keep night hours. I'm typically awake from like 4 p.m. until 6 a.m., and then I like I that you said I keep time. night hours as if you were a professor <laughs> and those were your uh, office hours. 
yes, exactly. I work the graveyard shift uh-huh. uh, to my to my own drum. So yeah, I feel like I would probably be at home anyway. But okay. I might be out getting some barbecue, having some good food. I love I love food. I love going to restaurants. So I, I, that's what I miss most is like just being able to sit down at a restaurant, order something, point to something on a menu, and then it's and then it arrives. Versus all this cooking crap. <laughs> are you, well, what are people doing? Are people, because, you know, here people are starting to, like I went to, I have been doing an inordinate amount of walking, even for mm-hmm. me. Um, and uh, like, it's like it's grown to the point now where, because I feel obliged to work, uh, if I'm home, I have that, like, it's, I'm going to say I'm a workaholic because I'm definitely very lazy. But I think maybe... I still have a sense of like within certain hours of the day I don't keep my office hours uh, overnight and Mm -hmm. um, for certain hours of the day I do feel that pull to complete tasks or to you know make myself available for things which is all well and good but um but I because I have that screen fatigue my desire to be outside has um only grown and I'm already a like a God, I don't want to say outdoorsy because that really sounds like I like to go camping, and that's not fair or true. You shop at REI exclusively. <laughs> that's all, that's Patagonia, the only place, Varney. and I'm and I mean groceries too. <laughs> I only shop at uh-huh. REI, so I'm talking dehydrated <laughs> meal packs. All, you famously only eat Cliff bars, right? Famously, famously, and yet not sponsored by Cliff or Luna. <laughs> Same company. Um, uh, but but you know but I guess I I guess I am in the sense that that's you know I, I very much like to be outside and so um, but as I, I like what started as like you know I'm just gonna get up a little earlier than normal and because mm-hmm. you know things because so many people are out and about because so many people aren't working you know my my usual like I live in LA and many of us don't work normal hours, but still there's some sort of semblance of like, not everyone's hitting the streets and the trails at the same time. Those times are like became very, very replete with other people. And, Mm. um, I like to take my homebodiness to the outdoors. I E I want as little company out there as I do inside. (laughs) Right. When when I leave the house, I'm like, I want to be outdoors, but not to socialize. Like my ideal situation is to be like at a campfire, like around a campfire with like two people I know. And then the rest of the world can go to hell. (laughs) Okay. So there you go. So you, you also shop at Aria exclusively. Exactly. Um, Exactly. But, but I also yeah. feel like I'm very, I, I don't have the urge to constantly go outside. And I don't know if that's like an LA thing or yeah. if I'm just antisocial, but I don't have the, like, I'm fine just sitting at home. I don't, I don't need sunlight. So Are I, you- <laughs> I, I, I think it's because I'm in Chicago, you know, f- f- there's, there's two types of weather, construction and winter, but I feel like <laughs> there's no, there's no telling what the weather's going to be like, so right. I, I'm. I just assume it's going to be bad, so I, I don't have a yearning to go outside. But when you live in LA, like you, I feel like it's constantly the most perfect day every day. So is, your body starts yeah. to get used to that and crave yeah. that, maybe. Yeah, and and two, I was going to ask you, like, if you, depending on where you actually are, like where your front door opens out to. Um, mm-hmm. Are you opening out into very much the city and lots of people, or are you opening out to some place that you know you sort of won't like? You know, you're not opening out to like a suburban street, right? Or are you? My door opens up to Lake Michigan. Um, oh, well. 
pretty impressive. Might know we we live above a bodega, so we yeah. are we're right near Milwaukee, which is a very populated street. Okay. Um, but we are set back enough that we are very residential. So if I open my door, typically I will only see people leaving or going into the bodega, gotcha. versus you know tons of people out on the street running around. Gotcha. I mean, I think that my I just say that because my experience of like if I lived you know in a loft downtown. Uh, mm-hmm. or even in some of the more populous, like I'm complaining about people being out on my street, but really it's still just like a neighborhood in the hills where, mm-hmm. you know, there's no sidewalks. So at a certain point there just aren't <laughs> going to be that many people anyway. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, so anyway, I, I've started like, I be, I've become like the, the person who, you know, starts to get sleepy around nine thirty. um, and then my eyes pop open at like five forty-five, mm-hmm. and I and listen, I'm not like a super night owl, but I I've definitely never been like this much of an early riser. But in my head, I think to myself, "Oh my god, <gasps> oof! The earlier I leave the house, the fewer people there will be anywhere I go." Right, and it right. really just like lifts me up out of bed in a way that nothing ever has. <laughs> and like I get out, and and you know, and it's also nice because as the as the summer is rolling in, you know, this is the time of year we call in LA June gloom, which uh, means we have a layer of fog. Um, that sometimes can like it's still happening right now and it's noon um but sometimes it burns off by you know seven thirty. sometimes 8 like there's no knowing when the fog's gonna burn off i love fog and so then i that's double incentive Ooh, i gotta get out before it gets hot out there you know um june so, gloom june gloom yeah and it's fog it or smog gloom. it's fog fog okay yeah it's just fog it's just like weird it's just a weird weather pattern that keeps it really cool and misty um even if the day becomes much much warmer later so so mysterious i know so and so my wanderings through june gloom have become longer and longer so now like (laughs) if i'm not out two and a half hours I feel like I didn't get my walk in. And that's a very mm-hmm. long time to be out. <laughs> a very long time. Mm-hmm. You know, like my hips are like grinding at this point. Like that sounds sexy. But at this at this point, like I have to like come in and like do special stretches. Like, oh, I've been standing and walking and then walking up and down hills too much. But mm-hmm. it's it's become it's it's this like weird thing that's happened during the the lockdown that um has become like so vitally important to me and you live you're um if i've listened i listened to the chris sullivan episode uh which is great and he reveals your home to be on top of a mountain <laughs> that's right <laughs> on the tippy tip top of a mountain so do you, uh, i mean you have area you, can, you probably have like a backyard front yard or you have you can be outside in your own yes. property without being bothered Yes, yes, that. Must be nice. Must yes, be nice. I know. Yes, that. And then also it's uh, on, uh, if if you time it, like three minutes and 30 seconds to the Griffith Park. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then you can just wander into the park and, and wander around on the trails and stuff. Recreate La La Land. Recreate La La Land, which I've never seen. So that's going to be <laughs> tough for me. Although I feel like I've heard so much about it and seen so many stills from it that I could mm-hmm. probably still recreate it. If if pressed, like if my life were on the line, yeah. <laughs> um, All you have weird... to do is be white and invent jazz, and you nailed it. <laughs> oh, no, oh no. Um, okay, God, I cannot believe how long I felt like I needed to talk to you about June Gloom and 
leaving the house. Um, where did you grow up? Are you from Chicago? I feel like I already know this, and yet I can't remember. I was born in Galesburg, Illinois, which okay. is probably 30,000 people. It's kind of a factory town. It's where Carl Sandburg is from. So like okay. Carl Sandburg College is there, Knox College is there. Okay. Um, so my parents met at Knox College. My mom was going to uh, nursing school there, and my dad, uh, my dad came over from Palestine when he was 18, 19, and played soccer for for Knox College. So they met, fell in love, got married, uh, had my sister and I. So we were in Galesburg for a few years. Then we moved to Peoria, which is pretty close. And then after that, we just kind of bounced around the U.S., depending on where family was. So we lived in Las Vegas for four years. We lived in Ohio for a few years and then came back to Illinois. Depending on where family was? So like in terms of where were people coming from elsewhere and settling in places and then you would go there? What, is, what do you mean by depend where, where family was? So most of my family is in Illinois, but then at some point my grandparents moved to Las Vegas. So we went out there to be closer to them. Um, right. And then my, my dad worked at the Flamingo Hilton. Like we got, we got immersed in the sort of casino world. And then eventually we, uh, I mean, Vegas is a hard place to grow up at, uh, as a kid. Yeah. Um, because even when I went to visit my dad, I couldn't go like on the floor or anything, like where the slots are or anything like that. Right. So it just became an intense issue with like kids in Vegas. So eventually we moved to be closer to my dad's family, which were mostly in Columbus, Ohio. Um, so we went over there to help out. My my dad's brother had a Middle Eastern restaurant there, so he went to go help with that and invest in that. And then um, we just settled there. And then when my parents got divorced, we moved from Ohio back to Illinois to be with my grandparents who had moved back to Illinois. So okay. it's just a lot of rotating pieces. We kind of <laughs> went where family was and we, we, we vacillated between my mom's side of the family and my dad's side of the family. First of all, that's very sweet. Second of all, I, I, I am so excited to, and first of all, I, I don't pull quotes in any way ever from any episode. So I don't know why I'm acting mm-hmm. like this is a thing I do. But if I were into <laughs> pulling quotes, the idea of being able to say, you know, and then in Vegas, we just got immersed in that whole casino world. We just, oh, <laughs> we were so immersed. I mean, every day it's like Penn and Teller's at our house, you know, having brunch. <laughs> Siegfried and Roy. No, it was uh, really, it was, I can't tell you how surreal it was to grow up in Vegas. And and I couldn't, as a child, I couldn't really grasp what that Vegas was this adult playground. Like right. to me, it was just like these giant monstrosities emerging from the desert. Sure. And I knew that sad, sad people went there and oh, like no. lost, <laughs> lost their livelihood. And ah. I, yeah, I feel like my my mom and dad would come home from work and just talk about the horrors of like I saw a guy, you know, bet ten grand on this and lose and cry oh, and like God. he was like my life is over. So it, it's it was just very depressing. Even though the weather was nice, but. Um, when I go back, since I've turned 21, I've been back to Vegas two or three times, and I can't really enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I'll usually I don't just like go Vegas to like a tiki either, bar so. or something, but I can't yeah. really gamble just because there's like oh, no. just such a sordid history with that in terms sure. of the stories my parents would tell. But I, yeah, but, it's, it's a sad, sad town. What, what years, what, what were the four years? How old were you for those four years? I must have been probably the ages of five to nine. Okay. Four to eight, five to nine, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and we went through be, through living and being born in Galesburg and moving to and then the whole tour and then back to Illinois. We probably lived we probably lived in eight different houses or apartments over ten years. So I was always going to a new school. Like every year we'd switch schools. So I, I kind of had to do. 
I kind of had to be funny to like uh, ingratiate myself into the community wherever I was going because I was always the new kid. So I had to like do something to be like, hey, look at me. It's the new kid. Yeah. (laughs) Top hat, top hat. (laughs) Dance, soft shoe, soft shoe. I'm a friend. I'm a funny you boy. You guys are Please into like the 1920s, yeah. right? You're 11. Everybody's into the flapper era. <laughs> do, do, do. California raisins. Okay. It's, what's interesting to me is that I didn't expect you to necessarily say that your sense of Vegas was that you couldn't understand that it was like an adult playground. Because mm-hmm. I guess what I thought you would say was like, I couldn't envision it that way because it seemed like it should be for kids. Um, but that's yeah. not, but that's not the experience you had at all. Cause like as a young, you know, as a kid, I could see looking around at, you know, like all of the, you know, the treasure Island and like all of the sort of ridiculous over the top amusement parkness of the strip and yeah. being like, well, wait a minute. I don't, this isn't for me. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was one spot that felt cool and felt like it was for us, and that was Circus Circus, if you've ever sure. been there. Yeah. <laughs> but they have, In my they have experience, like a, one of the most depressing yeah. casinos and hotels I've so I depressing. ever seen. <laughs> so, but I have a visceral reaction. Anytime I see the sort of front entrance with a grape chandelier, it's like a chandelier made out of purple grapes. Uh-huh. It's a very visceral reaction. But I, they, they had, I, I'm sure they still do have it, but they have like a carnival room where it's oh. like games and all this ring toss. Gotcha. And all kinds of stuff going on. So that part we could go into because it's meant for kids. It's It was family friendly. Makes sense. Um, so that was the one place where I was like, if my mom or dad was ever like, let's go somewhere, we would immediately scream Circus Circus. Eventually, Excalibur opened while we were there. And Excalibur had a basement with a bunch of VR games and all kinds of stuff. Oh. So Excalibur and Circus Circus were our hangouts. But everything else just seemed terrifying in terms of just the atmosphere and the, the amount of smoke and oh, uh, God, yeah. people. Yeah, it was just, yeah, just really grimy. Wait, there was v- there were VR games back then? Not to say oh, yeah, the first time but, I ever oh, wow. the first time I ever dabbled in virtual reality, Janet, was, was when you were immersed a... in the casino world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such I, at six. I was such an old soul. <laughs> Bet it all on black, baby. Um <laughs> There was in the basement of Excalibur, which was like a medieval themed uh, sure. casino. There was this this playland of like video uh, arcade machines, and everything. But they had this sort of VR machine that you would sit in, and there was a railing, I believe, and it would you would choose between like alpine slopes or a roller coaster, or but it would all it was these treacherous tracks, and the 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 device would move with the camera kind oh, of sure. thing. So it's basically what Universal Studios has built their whole yeah. park on. Yeah, or like um, Star Tours the, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But the first time I experienced that was in the basement of Excalibur. Wow. I but didn't even know Excalibur into... had a basement. Oh, you know, yeah. in, I mean, in, the... in, in other places, Excalibur's basement would be called the dungeon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you send the children. Um, but it was exciting in terms of my dad would come home. They they were shooting, what's the movie? Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman. A Rain Man? What? Rain Man. They were shooting Rain Man when my dad was working at Flamingo Hilton. So I remember he was he was like, I got to meet Tom Cruise and got his autograph on a napkin. And so I had a vague sense of who Tom Cruise was. So I, I, there was exciting moments of like, ooh, the celebrities. But I, I think it, the the griminess and the the yikesness outweighed yeah. everything else. Yeah. And there's and always the people with like the cards flipping the cards to be like nude ladies. Oh like, sure. It's it's a lot. Yeah. 
Oh, hi, it's me, Present Janet. I'm back. And apparently I talk in this voice now. Oh, hi. I hope you're enjoying this episode with Adel. Of course, we are in week three of Max Fundry. Max Fundry, Max Fundry. That is the worst echo that anyone has ever attempted to do. Truly. Okay, here's what I want to do. I just couldn't, the timing couldn't be better. I just got today a wonderful email from Kari, a listener uh, who I'd not heard from before. And she reached out from her introspective uh, introvert shell, um, which I think many, many, many of us can relate to, uh, to just throw some kind words our way. And I just wanted to quickly read those because I was so touched by them. And I was just coming back from walking around um, the reservoir and uh and I I had like tears running down my face and I'm sure people were like something horrible has happened or she has terrible allergies uh so this is just a little bit of Kari's email but I just wanted to share it with you um in case you can relate feels very patty on the backy but what can I say uh while I enjoy the laughter aspect of your podcast I'm also deeply appreciative of the rawness and the leaning into the uncomfortable you and your guests partake in as therapeutic as the light side of your podcast is this side is just as if not more therapeutic for me. It's been very helpful to me to be reminded of the fact that there are plenty of others who deal with anxiety like me and that just like people meeting me for the first time, you would never know unless you take the opportunity to get to know them on a more personal level. So thank you so much, Kari. And for those of you who have sent me notes like that in the past, um, they really get me. That's when I realized how deeply selfish doing this podcast is because that feeling is so good and so profound and hits me on such a deep level that I will never, ever tire of doing this podcast. So thank you so much. Okay, let's ask for some money. Want to? (laughs) We wanted to just share with you this week that not only do you get to choose one of those incredibly cool pins that are designed every year for Max Fun Drive. Mine this year is a little uh, mash pin where some of the the categories have been filled in. It's so darling and wonderful, and I absolutely love it. Uh, But there are a ton of great podcast pins. And this week, if you are a $10 a month member, you also have the option of purchasing additional pins from the store and all proceeds from the additional pin purchases go to charity and there are so many great ones to choose from so visit maximumfund.org join to sign up at ten dollars a month if you haven't already if you can if that's a level that you can do great and then you can also grab yourself some additional pins for a great cause if you so desire finally i once again just need to chew up more time on my own podcast to say thank you so much for being a member if you are able to be a member. We are able to create this program right now because of you. I am able to have a wonderful, kind, funny, thoughtful producer in uh, Julian, who I just absolutely adore. And um, there are so, so, so many people who work inside of Max Fun, whom I love and basically would hang out with every day if I could. So you are a part of such an amazing community. And uh, I would not say that if it weren't true, because I don't like jerks. Okay, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to do what we do and for making us feel so wonderful um, in a strange and unusual time. We hope we are doing the same for you. Again, we love you for listening. We love you if you can help support. Um, I love you. So thank you for listening. And let's get back to the episode. Want to? If for no other reason than I 
cannot stay in this falsetto a moment longer. With all the moving around, where were you by the time you were in high school? Was that, were you back in Illinois? Back in Illinois in a little town called Kiwani, Illinois, the hog capital of the world. Oh, 12, hello. People. Mm-hmm. What is every that? year? Oh. Every year they, ho- they host hog days and they crown a hog king and queen, which is the most coveted title. <laughs> <laughs> Small town stuff never gets old, Small- does it? It's just like, <laughs> no. it's, it's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's ju- if it's mayflies or, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. caterpillars, moth, the moth days, hogs, cows. It's great. <laughs> it's so, it butter, butter, like there's a butter queen and king in, in up in, um, Petaluma like it's so it's so charming to me we didn't have stuff like that so um you grew up in Arizona is that right yeah in Tucson and yeah I just don't remember even one parade but um I just I just that's that's amazing to be the hog king and queen hog yeah so were there like big pig slaughterhouses is that what we're talking about no I think at some point at some point it was called the hog capital of the world I think because there was more uh, per capita there was more pigs than humans (laughs) <laughs> not not joking but by the time i lived there it was mostly uh just crops and and boilermakers is what they made um they were famous for for making boilermakers so i don't think there was a single pig in the town when i got there but they that that name stuck and it was oh, a source okay. of pride okay. and we also had so our mascot in high school was a boilermaker sorry purdue and we were our colors were orange and black which was not didn't look great on any athlete or any cheerleader or any you know school yeah. pride it just looked like it was we were perpetually in halloween yeah for sure wait what's a boiler yeah. a boiler the, the boiler maker is that a if thing were, or a person <laughs> if you were to go off our mascot what a boiler maker was was a large man with a sledgehammer okay mm-hmm. what is and is that what a boiler maker is so a boiler maker is just someone who makes boilers uh if you ever been in a boiler room uh-huh, yeah. That's where they store the boilers, uh-huh. and there are apparently people who make those, and okay. and that's what we were known for. And our claim to fame is the two movies, Under Siege. Have you ever seen oh. Steven Seagal's Under Siege? I'm sure I have. I know I saw Under Siege too, which is a There's weird a point- thing to be able to, yeah. <laughs> There's a point where he's kicking butt, and the camera pans past a boiler that says Kiwani on it, and that was a huge source of pride. And then also in the movie, So I Married an Axe Murderer, uh-huh. uh, Mike Myers is sitting at a bar with like a map of the U.S. behind his head, and immediately above his head is is a dot that says Kiwani. So that blew our minds growing up there, <laughs> how famous we were. And I know you can't relate being in L.A., but Kiwani is sort of a big deal. Uh, okay, so it was not, it's not that Under Siege was, it wasn't filmed in Kiwani, it was just that Kiwani, there was a One boiler One of our boilers was in the, yeah, yeah. And our newspaper was the Star Courier, and it would, you know, typical headlines were like local dog farts, or I don't know. It was it was all like <laughs> the, the most. It was basically like town gossip versus news. Um, oh. My mom still lives in the area, so I don't want to burn it down. But uh, yeah, it was just a wild place to grow up in terms of high school, like the most social time of your life. It was a very weird place to grow up. Did you did you did you kind of come into the high school? Um... That, again, you still didn't know anyone. Like you were coming back to Illinois, but you still didn't know anyone in that town, right? Yeah, because we we lived in Galesburg and Peoria previously, yeah. so there's no carryover in terms no of carryover. friends or anything. So yeah, I, um, 
I was living in Neponset, which is a small town of like uh, 215 people. And then we moved to the neighboring Kiwani, which was like, yeah, 12,000, 13,000. So high school was real small. Graduating class was probably 70 people. Oh, wow. And most of them, I mean, probably 15% of our class died in those four years. Like just a lot of weird accidents in terms of like really? people sledding. Oh, yeah. People, oh, no. um, I don't, <laughs> it's just like small town antics where like um, someone was sledding. They were like standing on a sled and holding on to a rope that was tied to the back of a pickup truck. Oh, I don't know if that's a thing. But a lot of the kids in our high school would do that. And then a kid was on a country road doing that and ran into like a signpost and died. Oh, God. And we had a, a kid who went down to like a river and got swept under and died. And just a lot of wild. I was, yeah, surrounded by a lot of death in such a small town. That's very strange. I mean, I, maybe, I guess it's mm-hmm. not strange, but it, it certainly feels strange to me. Um, what do you do with that? I guess you, I guess it's just like... I mean, if it's, a, if it's a, such a small place, too, like, do, do people yeah. tend to know those kids? Like, Yeah, I, I mean, anytime there was a death, it was it was a ripple effect of, like, we all know this person because it's oh, such a small town. And then you you know, like, when someone dies, it's like, oh, and their, their mom works here, and I see them constantly, and their brother's oh. here. And so it was just, I mean, it became the norm. And I, I don't, it, it, it's just sort of something you tuck away in terms of, like, you learn to com- compartmentalize it. Um. Yeah, it was kind of wild. I and, and I always oh, like, yeah. anytime I have conversations with people about high school, it's like, remember, you know, pep rallies? And I was like, oh, yeah. And then I'm like, remember when most of your class dies? And people are like, what? And I'm like, no one else? Just me? So I, I think for how small we were, we had a, a, a insane amount of accidents and deaths. That's Listen, first of all, I don't... I. I I'm just going to say what other people may be thinking, but that mm-hmm. also makes me an asshole because I'm I'm now like taking something very real and very troubling and turning it into fiction. But it oh, really, sa- it sounds like a Stephen King book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it really sounds like, well, if you would just realize that the burial ground that your town had been uh-huh. built on, I mean, that's just very odd. You know, now that I think about it, it was a haunted semi that was killing everyone. <laughs> oh, Wow. Isn't wow. that a Stephen King book? <laughs> yeah, it de- it definitely was. That being said, the idea of uh, I don't know that I ever would have described Maximum Overdrive as a haunted semi. <laughs> There's something about that that gives it like a dignity, like a weird uh-huh. Victorian dignity. <laughs> is there somebody driving it, or is it just driving itself? It was driving itself. I've never seen it. It was driving yeah. itself. Okay, it was driving. Well, wasn't no, there you're also right. Like I mean, it was car. a haunted semi. There's no question There's about it. There's a semi. It. And wasn't there also a car that was killing people? Christine. Yeah. Christine. Yeah. It's possible Maximum Overdrive was like a short story, and then Christine was a full book or something like that. I'm not sure. I'm, when you say I'm, Maximum I'm, Overdrive, yeah. I can only think of St- Sylvester Stallone arm wrestling, and I know that's not right. Uh huh. Oh yeah. What's that from? That's a different thing. That's over, over the, the top. top. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's over the top. Uh, I've never seen that, but that's something that um, our our mutual acquaintance, maybe more than an acquaintance in my case, but Cole Stratton is, t- taught me the wonders of over the top um, without me ever having actually seen it. Um, Delightful. Cole, that, I love that guy. Uh, yeah, there you go. See, he's more than an acquaintance for you too. Um, wh- oh my God. Okay. So I don't want to just like dig so deep into all these numerous deaths that you had as, when you were in high school, but, um, was there any, was it just, there were, they were people that you knew, but it wasn't like someone that you were ex- especially close to or. 
There's a, I mean, there's a few I was close to. Um, the I was one of the captains of our speech and debate team, and my co-captain, she was uh, driving in a car one early one morning and got. And this is uh, uh, sucks that I made this joke earlier, but she got run over by a semi that like ripped the top <laughs> of the car off. <laughs> this is so horrible. Um, yeah, it was. I it was could wild. not yeah, have I, expected this when I when I asked you to do my podcast about teenage years. It's like every episode I've had has been leading up to this dark and scary <laughs> moment. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, my sister was a year ahead of me. So anyone who passed was was typically a friend of mine or or my sister's in terms of like our social circles. But yeah, it just became something you like you you didn't come to expect, but you just were like, well, that's how it is, I guess. <sighs> what? <sighs> but it also I... helped me in terms of later in life. There's there's been stretches of like some of my best friends or family members passing away yeah in, in, in quick succession where it's like you know five five people that i'm incredibly close to all die within a year and a half or something yeah. and i'm able to better deal with that so oh, sure that there's some amount of positive just in terms of being able to emotionally cope no absolutely i mean i you know i don't i i i can't imagine my my relationship with an understanding of death was so limited um for most of my life uh you know, even though there were a couple of people when I was a teenager who, who died, um, I, they weren't people that I, that were, you know, that I was particularly close to. And it was very strange and uncomfortable and upsetting feeling. Um, but I, I couldn't, I don't think that like ex on an existential level, I really kind of processed it or understood it that in a way that I, that I, that I later had to, when, you know, the first person, you know, when your grandparents pass away, you've sort of been prepared for that by your family for, for your entire life. Um, uh, up until whenever it happens, but you know, like when I first, when I, when someone I really cared about committed suicide, I was, um, you know, like 20 or something. And, and I really had to cope with that in a way that was so, so unknown and so scary. The feelings were so scary, um, because it was so, you know, it was just very new, um, to me. And so I, I, I mean, I, I totally accept the idea that, you know, that there was a, the matter of factness to it happening to more than one person that you knew that would like necessarily make it a thing that you would just adapt to and that you would have a different understanding of than than many kids your age, except for Absolutely. all the other kids in that town. Good Lord. We also one of my one of my closest friends in in high school, her family also ran like the the funeral parlor in town. Mm-hmm. So we would also hang out at her place all the time. So we're just hanging out in a <laughs> funeral home. Yeah. And there'd be, you know, there'd be the elevator that went down into the embalming room. And so I feel like I just had a very weird relationship with death growing up. And I also was obsessed. Like my favorite movie of all time is like Beetlejuice, with, which is very death heavy. Sure. And I've, be- I've become fascinated with like the supernatural and horror and all that jazz. So I think it, it probably came as a way to cope with the death that surrounded me. Just sure. In terms of like being able to like n- not blink when I see it and be like, let me fully absorb this and fully take it in and not shy away from it. So yeah. I definitely, I, I'm not obsessed with, I'm not fascinated by death by any means. I don't, I don't, <laughs> although I did in high school, we did watch Faces of Death, which was 
uh, I can still see those images when I close my eyelids. Did you oh, ever God. see that Faces of Death? No, no. I was. Do you know I about was them? told. Yeah, I do know exactly what it is. Oof. I've definitely was told like this is not something that you could that you ever need to see and that you can't. You probably couldn't handle it if you did. Um, I feel like I was a freshman or, or sophomore, and there was just like a oof. morbid curiosity amongst a group of friends, and so we sure. watched it. And and I'll there's again images that are just burned into my retinas. Oh God, um, I bet. Yeah. But I like the, I mean, I, I, I think the, the Beetlejuice thing is really interesting and it, I mean, I don't mean to psychoanalyze it, although you sort of opened that door by, by Let me just lay down on stuff. my couch here. Uh, <laughs> don't worry. In this case, the shrink is also lying down on her couch. Weird. Sure. Um, what a relatable shrink. Staring up at the ceiling. Yeah. But, but I, there's something that there's so that makes so much sense about that especially because you know you were saying like you were kind of you know you figured out at an early age to kind of be like the funny kid um Mm -hmm. when you were moving from place to place um and and so you know here you have this like this there's the tone of that movie is so specific and that's one of my favorites and and certainly was when i was younger as well um and the tone of that is so specific and it it's so funny and and irreverent but also allows for this idea that life goes on in some kind of mundane way even after you die that it kind of makes perfect sense right that it would be this like this like friend to keep with you while these people were kind of disappearing on some level a hundred percent. And I, I had, when I was maybe in grade school, I became obsessed with the Scary Stories books by Alvin mm. Schwartz and Stephen Gamble. I didn't know anything about those, but those images, talk about scary images. Those oh, drawings yeah. are insane. They're those scary to me most, now. They For a while, they were banned. They did, they released these more cartoony versions in like the 90s because it was so terrifying. And then they eventually went back to, to um, uh, Stephen Gamble's original drawings. But I was obsessed with those books, but it was always nightmarish in terms of like when you died you became this decrepit creature with like uh you know your eyes missing and spiders crawling out of your mouth and beetlejuice was the first uh, representation of death where the people look exactly the same after they die yeah and they they have supernatural abilities or what have you but they were it was also yeah i think you're right in terms of like the the image and the portrayal that once you die you can still look like yourself and you can still continue to have a life and and befriend a goth child <laughs> sure. and help them dance to calypso <laughs> that's right so so i think it was something i really glommed onto just in terms of comfort of like yes these people i know look like they're we're still wearing what they wore when they died and they look fine sure. versus versus like they become zombies or they're rotting away in a crypt no kidding when you came into uh uh, sorry, what was the what's the small town name? Kiwani. All I want to say is the hog capital of the United All States. All I want to say, that. hog capital. <laughs> so, so when you came into Kiwani um, mm-hmm. for high school, did you ever did you carry with you any sort of sense? I mean, I, you're very you you you're very self-effacing and humble in your comedy, so it's hard for me to imagine this. But was there any part of you that kind of was like? Yeah, I've been everywhere. Uh, <laughs> you guys want me to tell yeah, some stories about my when attitude. we sunk deep into the uh, casino world, or what? You mm-hmm, guys want to hear any mm-hmm. of my stories, or like, was there any sort of kind of like, guys? I've been places. I know that I'm just like random new guy in a small town full of people who've all known each other since they were babies. Um, yeah. But let me let me blow your minds with my mystique, or were were you <laughs> were you? Was there any level of that at all? 
No, no, no. I would love, I love the, the ego to come in and be like, I'm a little worldly. And people are like, oh yeah. And I'm like, I've lived in Columbus, Ohio. Heard of it? Uh, fast food capital of the world, my man. No, I was, I've always been fairly, I, I mean, when I'm first meeting people or first making my way on a scene, I'm, I'm very timid and quiet. And it's yeah. not in, until I get to know people that I feel uncomfortable, uh, that I feel comfortable sort of um, being myself. But I would typically, and also Kiwani is a lot of, I mean, most people I'm friends with in Kiwani still, their Facebook picture is like them in their truck that they they are proud of and them, you know, they're a mechanic at Meineke or something. So it was a whole world of like, I have none of these skills. I, I don't know what detasseling is. I don't know, you know, it, it was just a very different culture and, and, um, and way of living. So I, I think I was just trying to observe and trying to catch on to what 4-H was and all this stuff. Sure. So there was no, I didn't come in swinging or there's no braggadocio to, to having lived in other places. It was more something I didn't really talk about. Got it. And did you feel like you did make a place for yourself? Did you feel like you were, or did it feel like you were sort of biding time knowing that maybe you were meant to be somewhere else? And did you identify with Lydia, uh, Lydia in that case? <laughs> <laughs> in uh, yes, I'm always, I am utterly alone. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I carved out my own, uh, my own sort of area of high school. I was, when I first came into high school, I think it was the first time in my life that I became hyper aware of being, and this is something I really struggle with and, and I don't even know how to talk about it or articulate it, is that my father's Palestinian and I grew up, when I was, when I was younger, I was very darker skinned. Like, I think I was more more visibly Middle Eastern. Hmm. And then as I grew up, I my skin became fairer and fairer, and my, my mother's Swedish side came out. Um, but it, in high school, it was my first time struggling with people calling out or recognizing that I was Middle Eastern or that my hmm. name was weird. Yeah. So I think I became super self-conscious about that people would call me, you know, fiddle-faddle or you just make fun of my name or ask if my family members wore hijabs or whatever, whatever that might be. Hmm. Um, so it became a real struggle in terms of my identity because I, I don't even know today if Middle Eastern people are considered white or not. I, I, it, it's such a struggle for me because I know Middle Eastern people who are visibly Middle Eastern and they're considered not white. But I think because I'm, I look like I'm vaguely Italian, if anything, mm -hmm. that, people say that I'm white. So it's, it's such a struggle with that identity. Um, and I think high school, it was a tough time when I first started, but I eventually became student council president and played football and basketball and, and kind of carved out my own identity there. But it was, it was fairly hard. That's, that's such a specific, I mean, I think that, that maybe that's, it, it's not as unique as it seems to me. Um, mm -hmm. but that, that I, the idea of your skin being darker, and then lightning really does seem like on top of everything else that, you know, we have to reckon with uh, in terms of being judged by the way we look or or because of our, our, you know, cultural backgrounds and stuff. The idea that that something that at one point was visible enough that it played a part in that and mm -hmm. that, you know, and that and that then that's a thing that progressively changed to the point where, you know, like you said, now you're you you sort of sense that you're perceived differently just on sight. Um, yeah. That's that seems like it would be really weird and 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 yeah. I mean, I I, I just that's I that's hard for me to imagine. I think that and would I'm, be I'm, really hard. Yeah, 
and I'm uncomfortable enough with it that when people say I'm white, I'm just like, absolutely. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say. Because again, yeah. I don't know if it's defined whether or not Palestinians or people in the Middle East are considered uh, people of color or if they're, I, I just, I, I've tried to have conversations about it, but I just, I, I don't think anybody knows or how properly to, to term it. But, and, and there was yeah. also in, in high school, I think in, in 98 or 99, uh, the movie came out called Three Kings. Yep. I don't know if yep. you've ever seen that with like I Ice have. Cube and I, and Spike Jones directed maybe, yeah. but there was, they started to use the term. I won't, I'm not going to say the word obviously, but it was a word, um, uh, the word sand and then another word right. yes. and and that became something that uh, a phrase that was started to be directed towards me yeah and that was confusing um might be david o russell sorry that's an inappropriate inappropriate uncomfortable moment for me to break in when we're talking about like a horrible epithet but anyway um yeah because yeah. uh, in the back of my mind when you said that i was like I don't want this attached to Spike Jones because I think it's David O. Russell who's a much worse. I think person. Spike Jones anyway. is in it as one of those. Soldiers. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Listen, there you go. Possibly. Possibly. Um, yeah. That's that was. I mean, that's also crazy. Like the more. I mean, the 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 United States has always had a tenuous relationship at best with the you know with the term Middle East and what that means mm. and you know all of the 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 sort of ways in which the entanglements of uh, Israel and Palestine have made themselves known or that the the United States has waded into for their own reasons. Um, so like, but but it's but it only got worse, right? Obviously, it only got worse in the sense that yeah. by two thousand and one, and for years afterwards, then it really was just like a nightmare for anybody who was even slightly brown. Um, oh yeah. But, the, but but then you have this like weird reverse thing where you are becoming progressively whiter looking, and yeah. the relationship that that middle America in particular, but everybody, um, you know, is having with the the concept of the middle east which is this like wide stretching term that you know people don't even know what they're referring to yeah is getting worse like how also weird i've had uh, e even in my adult life here in chicago i've done i've done shows uh, improv shows where i've spoken some arabic because i grew up speaking a little bit of arabic i grew up um practicing islam and so there's a there's a show I do that um, called World News Tonight where we, re we read a newspaper article and then do improvised scenes based off the article. Mm -hmm. And there's an article about the Middle East because that's obviously always in the news. And I came out and this is I rarely do this, but I came out and played a a Arab, uh, which I am. Right. And I spoke some actual Arabic. You know, I, I said, you know, kifalik mabsut hamdallah, whatever I said. And then after the show, a, uh, a couple, two, uh, two middle aged white people approached me and they're like, disgusting. And I was like, sorry. And they're like, for you to make up words and pretend to be Arab, like, is that's stay in your lane, et cetera. Oh. And I was like, what? And they're like, you were just speaking gibberish and passing it off. As, <gasps> and I'm like, no, that's that's actually Arabic. And my name is Adel Shoki Rafai. And I, you know, and I explained it to them. And they're like, well, OK, well, we didn't know that. And that should be more clear. And I'm like, it should oh be more clear God. that I'm. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but it, it, it's just oh. this constant struggle of like, I, I, I'm not ashamed of my heritage or anything but i also don't it's not something i dabble in a ton in terms of like in my comedy or anything i don't really yeah. and i've been asked by institutions to be like you know when i when i used to do some sketch and stuff people would be like you should you should lean more into your your background and i'm like what does that mean and they're like you know like you know, 9 11 happened and leaning you know oh, so i think God. i was 
I was people. Everybody needs to butt the fuck yeah, out. It is so I was, I was, hard to hear all of this. I was nudged towards towards playing, you know, basically like a true lies villain. Oh um, and I was like, that's not really my that's not really that's my voice. And they're like, well, you should embrace that. Embrace your heritage. I'm laughing out of utter horror. Yeah. So it's like oh I do I do a scene where I'm like I'm a you know on an airplane and they're like like side coaching don't you want to do something or stand up and say something it's like no i don't oh god oh god (laughs) wouldn't that create conflict if you took over the plane no thank you (laughs) that sucks Mm -hmm. but in high school i would uh, uh, to, to kind of go back and answer further i would in high school i developed a knack for like impersonating teachers and that would be something I would do is like at lunch, I would like do impressions of teachers or make up little songs about, you know, um, the faculty. And that I think was an inroad to like uh, endearing myself to to people there. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I just I just found that pressing the gas on on any sort of comedy or, or observations really helped me kind of find my own little market. Your market. Your brand. You helped mm-hmm. you build your brand. Um, <laughs> were you a good student? I was. I was an okay student. I think by the time by the time I was a junior and senior, I had become a little more popular and became student council president and all this jazz. So I was a little, being a little more social than I was focusing on studies. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I kind of had a, a lax. I, I feel like I was always it was always passable. It was always easy for me to like not study and still get a B on a test. Mm-hmm. So I think I got a little lazy in that regard. So your um, teachers I, that you were busy making fun of were probably like, I don't understand at all. You're so <laughs> funny and you're so smart and charming, but you mm-hmm. could do so much better if you just applied yourself. If you just apply yourself. So yeah. I, and I you were like, please, it's President Rafai. <laughs> <laughs> there was my senior year when I was student council president, I could basically just leave class and I had my own pad of like, um, what we, I guess like hall passes. So I, I had a pad of paper with like a hundred slips and a pen and I could just say like, uh, Mark Young, um, et cetera, and pass it over to a teacher, go into a class, give the teacher that pass. And then I could pull out my friend Mark Young and we could walk around the halls and chat or whatever. So I, for a small town, I had way too much, um, <laughs> power as student council president. I could, let me tell you right now, I could tell, right. I, I know exactly where that came from. And that's when you were in the underworld with a casino life when, you were you were basically like you were like a bookie. You're like yeah. They, um, they, pulled, there's actually. You, are you wondering why I pulled you out of class today, Mark? <laughs> there was um. There's a little. I don't know if people know this movie. There's a movie kind of based on my time in uh, Las Vegas. It's called Casino, and <laughs> Robert De Niro plays basically Adol. Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm, you had mm-hmm. a, a beautiful, if troubled, wife. Beautiful, mm-hmm. if you. troubled. Thank you. Yeah, and my um, mom, my Joe Pesci's character is based on my mom, great, who was a real great. go-getter, a real tough, real tough guy. So it was there was it was an adaptation that that certainly allowed for um, people to not necessarily play like literally the characters of from yes, your yes, life. yes 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 more of it. exactly it became exactly. more of a representation I a see, loose I interpretation see, I, see. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. see I see analogous uh, but not, yeah yeah I gotcha and so so when you're you said when your parents divorced did you and you and that's when you guys moved back to Illinois and it was with your mom that you guys did that to be with her family right. Um, yeah, so my parents got divorced. We moved back to Illinois with my mom, and we stayed with my grandma and grandpa. We lived in in their house, and um, 
and that was a big shift in terms of we we were uh, living in Reynoldsburg, Ohio, which is just like five minutes outside Columbus, and we were very much middle class. And then when my parents got divorced, my dad went back to um, Palestine, and then we went and moved in with my my grandma and grandpa, and we were you know on food stamps, and we were struggling, and and it was a mm-hmm. uh, it was a tough time. So it was, it was a big adjustment. And then also there was I I I don't know why this is becoming so serious, but there's also like. Um, there was the speculation that my dad was maybe schizophrenic. So it also instilled in me a fear. Like I came to fear my dad where it was like, he went overseas and there was a movie around that time, I think called not without my daughter, which is like uh, a white woman marries an Arab and then they get divorced. And then the Arab man steals the children and flees over and she has to hire mercenaries to track them down. So that was always at the forefront of my mind of like, anytime my dad, we got word that my dad was back in the States for whatever reason, we'd become terrified of like, is he going to come like kidnap us or what's happening? No wonder you have such a complicated relationship (laughs) with your Palestinian side. Mm-hmm. It's there's so much there's so much there that is like confusing for a young person It'd be confusing for an adult. Um, but we uh, eventually we we mended that gap and I I don't have a Good. great relationship with my dad but I, I talk to him and and he's he lives in in uh, Texas with a new family and everything. Okay. So it, how long was he yeah, back in was, Palestine before he came permanently back to the states? Maybe three or four years. Okay. He eventually yeah he eventually remarried and had. Uh, a few more kids and then move back to the u.s just because he he likes being here yeah and also to be closer to us and and eventually all the all the the rumors and the situation and the fear went away and and you know he's he's doing well and all that so but it's just it's just terrifying so oh boy um and then so what was your school mascot oh yeah Rincon Rangers, uh, not a lot of actual cowboy activity happening mm-hmm. in Tucson. Mm-hmm. So uh, you guys probably earned Boilermaker more than we earned the mm-hmm. what I what I assume from like the my vague memory since I wasn't involved in sports at all may have been like an oversized hat with some shoes sticking out like <laughs> like that was a, like the guy that's, is lost in his yeah. own clothing maybe mm-hmm. uh, that, I, could I feel be like wrong it's such a that, classic but... high school mascot is yeah. like someone trying to fill a costume that's too big it's like a, it's like a mascot wearing their dad's clothing or something exactly. their dad mascot's clothing <laughs> um Oh, this is the last thing I'm going to say about this. Um, and yeah. at some point we have to get into this mash game because I could talk to you all Please. day and it's suddenly almost been an hour. But um, And the, ma- the mash game is where we decide which monster mash characters we would be. <laughs> That's correct. That's 100% correct. Uh, I uh, What I wanted to ask, what I wanted to say quickly was, um, so by high school, I, you said that your mom is Swedish or that, you know, she's m- more um, Anglo. Uh, uh-huh. did, did you stop observing Islam like on in an official way when your parents divorced were you also not practicing by the time you were in high school or you were yeah so when we were in columbus we would go um we would go weekly to the mosque and Mm -hmm. and pray and uh after prayer there would be classes and stuff where we would my sister and i would learn arabic and learn about the quran and all this stuff Mm -hmm. and we were actually kind of ostracized in terms of because we were um, because Arabic wasn't our first language, we would always get made fun of by the other kids were, who, you know, um, uh, English was their second language. So we, beca- we were kind of ridiculed. And so we eventually came to dislike that and kind of dropped out. So by the time my parents divorced, we were, my sister and I already had a really tenuous relationship with Islam. Right. And then we just, we stopped practicing religion altogether. 
And then at some point, my mom converted from Islam to Baptist, um, and she had us baptized, and we would go to church. And then eventually, maybe around 15 or 16, I had a conversation with my mom of just like, I don't, I'm not really feeling religion. I don't think I can do this. And my mom was very much like, absolutely, no need to go to church. I think we went to church, uh, and this is probably pretty commonplace. We would go to church once a year on Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and that felt good to be like, all these candles. <laughs> um, but there was no, yeah, from, from around 15, 16, I was very much like, I think religion is garbage. I'm tired yeah. of it. And, and my, my mom was very respectful of that. I think my dad's still very disappointed that I'm not uh, practicing Islam, but sure. that's, that's his problem. <laughs> well, let's get him on the phone. I'd like to do a quick. Uh, it feels it feels right. That's uh, in this in this uh, playful yet sincere podcast. Mm-hmm. I feel that I am the person equipped to get on the phone and kind of <laughs> grind through some of this with your dad. Um, hey, Dad, this is Janet Varney, <laughs> Cora. So listen uh, up. I just really snorted. I actually <laughs> truly snorted. That's a it's new. That's a fairly t- new development. But I guess my DB. I think I broke my nose at an audition. What? One day. Are you serious? I, I've probably told the story before, uh, although I could not tell you if I actually have on 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 the record in my own podcast. But I I sl- I like turned around to get out of. Uh, I'll quickly tell this because you'll enjoy it, and I've now started it. But I was. And I, was, ho- I hope so much, Janet, that this was a voiceover audition. <laughs> I wish that it had been. It, I wish that it had been. It was a. It was. It was. I had just moved here, so I guess it's been. If if my septum is getting more and more deviated, that's that it now has been many years. But um, and I don't know how septums work. <laughs> I'm not even sure what a septum is. <laughs> Anytime I'm the same way. Anytime someone says like, you know, I got surgery for my deviated septum, yeah. in my I, I immediately go, oh yes, 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 yes. But in my head, <laughs> I, my brain is scanning for what that is. Right. Like I'm trying to picture it. I mean, and I think I picture it's the like wall that cavity. separates. Yeah. yeah, it's the wall. I think it's septum, right? Septum, like mm-hmm. separate, maybe septum. So like it's a. Like a scepter, no. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. a beautiful wand that you carry <laughs> in your nose. Um, uh-huh. No, I think it's like the wall between your two nostrils, right? Like your two nasal passages, and then if it mm-hmm. deviates, um, it becomes it, it turns into one, or one kind of becomes more uh, congested. Like one of them becomes more crushed somehow, and the other one stays open. I don't know. But listen, those things sound like good guesses. <laughs> And I have a I have a deviant septum where one side of my nose is a pervert. You have an alternate alternative yeah. lifestyle septum, which is also cool. Um, yeah, I I uh, oh yeah, because if you have a pierced septum, that's like your that's like the nose ring that goes between your nostrils, right? That's kind of like the mm-hmm. little bowl ring, which I do think is mm-hmm. sexy. Anyway, um, I was going waiting to go in for an audition, and I was uh, standing. It was at CBS Radford. And there are a couple of buildings in on that lot where the stairs are on the outside of the building, and okay. they're metal. And I was waiting, kind of near a set of those stairs. And I kid you not, two men carrying a plate glass, <laughs> a plate <gasps> of glass, were like, and I didn't know it's not where, going where you think it is, but they were carrying a plate of glass, and the, it like they like sort of appeared out of nowhere and were like, "Excuse me," and I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry," <laughs> like I need to get out of the way. And I quickly did an about face and took a giant step in the direction of the building to oh. avoid being in their way and just slammed my face into the oh. part of the metal staircase and you know just immediate dizziness like nausea um like put like they were gone you know they didn't even notice that it happened and i was the only person around and um 
and so I like I mean I really had to like put my you know I was like put my hands on my knees and was like okay okay and I went I rushed into the building into the bathroom because I was next um (laughs) to go for this audition (laughs) and I ran in and looked in the mirror and um it wasn't bleeding but it was already forming this huge knob like and and it was already starting to darken um just you know kind of between my eyes a little below between my eyes and I like quickly jammed a bunch of powder on top of my nose (laughs) even as like I was in total utter pain but my adrenaline was pumping right Mm. and right as I finished like putting the compact away my hands were like shaking the casting assistant was like and Janet Varney (laughs) and I went in and auditioned uh and like I don't even remember the audition but that I ended up testing for the show which was really funny um but I have like no memory of what happened in that room <laughs> and uh and yeah and like ever since then I gradually it seems like my nose uh, like now I have like like trouble breathing out of one nostril and I mean I should probably go to, to any that's but, wild yeah no and also nausea makes me think it's like a concussion like you were concussed briefly I probably was because I feel like I've had a concussion before and there's an immediate wave of nausea. Oh, yeah. Um, what was uh, was the role? Did they think that you were like pr- coming prepared? Like was your character like uh, klutz number one or something like? I'll tell you what. W- they did. W- did I they did not say it? that anything happened and they did not yeah. know that anything happened. Um, that's good. Yeah. But I but yeah, that's uh that's a classic like. And I still went into the audition anyway, and I killed it. Um, and now I have problems breathing. <laughs> the cost of Hollywood. That's right, That's everybody. Hollywood, baby. Oh, this is what an uneven yet wonderful ride this has been with you. Did you, I get, feel, did you get the part? Uh, I did not. I, I, no. I the, it, it ended with the, another like huge cliche. Again, I had not even officially moved to LA yet when this happened, and mm-hmm. um, and I tested for this part for the network that uh, at the time was the the UPN network, um, which no longer exists. And I, you know, you te- so I test, I, I auditioned for the the people in that room then I auditioned again for the producers then I auditioned again for the studio then I auditioned again for the network as you can as the pool of women being considered becomes progressively smaller and then uh, after the network test my manager called and said it's you like they you've got this job you're going to do this pilot with this other great actress that I you know had that part of it was like a chemistry test with her and she was terrific and and they were like yeah they're just going to start the paperwork and then like the next morning my manager called and was like Oh, Janet, um, I don't know how to tell you this. Tori Spelling has an overall deal with the network, and she oh, really, no. um, she really likes this part. So uh, you're, it's go- you're not getting it. And I was like, but I got it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand, but what, agent. But, but what do you I mean? Got I got, I, I got it. it. And he was like, yeah, yeah, no, you're not going to be, do- you're not going to do it. <laughs> And Show I was like, Tori Spelling, my nemesis, we're so similar. So uh, you were almost in 90210. And it was, and the show was in 90210. <laughs> uh, and I'm a lot older than it seems like I am. Um, I, like to th- I like to think yeah. that when you hit your, your nose, I like to think that that's when you developed your great laugh. Like before that, <laughs> you used to just go like, mm, funny, ha ha ha, tee hee. Because I feel like, I feel like, 
anytime I someone mentions you, I'm like the best laughs in the biz. Aww. Janet Varney, Justin McElroy, and Aaron Keefe from Hey Riddle Riddle. Three uh, best laughs in the biz, baby. I love that, and I love when I did your sh- if memory serves when I did it the show <laughs> you said in no particular order number one Janet Varney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. And then everyone gave me so much and then shit. Aaron got in upset. no particular order. Yeah. And number three. Every time I he- and finally, last but not uh-huh. least, in the number three <laughs> slot, in no particular order, Aaron. That caused a big rift. I, I, anytime I hear the phrase, if memory serves, I think of Olmec from Hidden, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Oh, And I think okay. of the, the host of, uh, what is it, Iron Chef, if memory serves. Um, Just a great phrase. It is a great phrase, but I didn't realize that it was so specialized that there would only be certain people that you would call to mind if I said it. Mm-hmm. Um, what about when I say "be that as it may"? Be that as it may. No, no association. Is that okay. Shakespeare? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's a term we can agree. Whether mm-hmm. it originated in Shakespeare, I couldn't say. I mean, it's just a bunch of words that when you put them together, make a sentence or a phrase that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Bill's like I, responsible for a lot of those. Yeah. I feel like I typically say, does that make sense? After most things I say, does that make sense? <laughs> I'm hungry. D- does that make sense? <laughs> I also realized I'm watching, uh, during this time, I'm watching so much RuPaul's Drag Race and oh. just other bad reality shows. And every single reality show, maybe four times an episode, every reality TV show has the phrase at the end of the day every contestant says oh, it sure. 10 times an episode what about i, never I realized... didn't come here to dot dot to dot. make friends yeah yes but it could but it doesn't have to just be make friends i've been watching making the cut which is the tim gunn heidi uh clume post project runway um okay amazon show and they no one says anymore i didn't come here to make friends but they do now say other things like i didn't mm-hmm. come here to just make a dress or i didn't come here to not make clothes or i, I didn't come here to stay in my comfort zone <laughs> you know what i mean so you can't the cliche of i didn't come here to make friends has died at yeah. least in that show but it's been replaced with a bunch of other kind of generic things you can say that are unnecessary to say because they are the opposite of what the goal is which everyone knows if you came here you came Mm -hmm. to win the show and anything else (laughs) you can be sure you did not come here to do that i would like that for like top chef of like i didn't come here to make pasta it's like well that's a challenge yeah yeah i mean that's i think that's probably been said we have to pitch a reality show that's called i came here to make friends yes and you win by being super sociable and the most popular amongst everyone yeah I think that's pretty great. I mean, I don't Thank know you. what happens in it other than utter <laughs> harmony, but I'm fully on board for that. We could use uh, some more of that in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we host Round Springfield. Round Springfield is a new Simpsons podcast that is Simpsons adjacent. Mm -hmm. Um, In its topic, we talk to Simpsons writers, directors, voiceover actors, you name it, about non-Simpsons things that they've done. Because, surprise, they're all extremely talented. Absolutely. For example, David X. Cohen worked on The Simpsons, but then created a little show called Futurama. Mm -hmm. That's our very first episode. So tune in for stuff like that with Yardley Smith, with Tim Long, with different writers and voice actors. It's going to be so much fun. And we are every other week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Okay, I'm gonna get into this mash game with you. You made a joke, but do you know, you listen to Chris Sullivan, so you know what the mash game is, unless you didn't make it to the end, in which case. No, I did, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, so I'm gonna give you some, some, I'm gonna ask you some questions. You're gonna give me three of each category that I ask mm -hmm. you to choose. Uh, so Perfect. <clears throat> first category, I'm gonna say three restaurants yeah, I mean, you 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 put you made this happen because you said that you love going out and eating at restaurants. Three restaurants mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you can go to whenever you want. You there's like zero wait. Um, everything's free, and uh, ev like you know they know you by name, and they're like, oh, whatever you want, Adel, President Adel. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Um, mm -hmm. Let me give you a hall pass. I would say Alinea in Chicago, which is a phenomenal but very expensive restaurant. Um, what is it? Like what a they prefix. Serve? They, I mean, the term is no longer used, but they were one of the forefathers of like molecular gastronomy. Mm -hmm. So it's like a twenty-course tasting menu with like you know you, you sit down and there's like little globules hanging from the ceiling and you pluck one and it's a snozberry or who knows like it's very oh it's very Wonka esque. How fun! Um, but it's it's like at the end for dessert you they bring you an edible balloon. <laughs> where it's like you you hold the balloon and then put your mouth on it and suck inward and then you like you've just eaten a sour apple or something it's very wild uh, i i feel like there's a weird marriage there's some kind of latent thing with the sh the chandelier of grapes that has attracted yeah. you to alinea i've Ooh. just drawn a perfect line between I the chandelier like I owe you of for grapes session. and the yeah, yeah. I mean, and you definitely do. I don't. I want to be very mm -hmm, clear, but you mm -hmm. do owe me money for this session. Uh, okay, is the first one. My puppy is uh -huh. looking at me like he wants to go outside, but I, I don't know if that's real. <laughs> I can't decide. Are you high? I can't decide if I need to. I, <laughs> I can't decide. Do if I it's, have a dog? Yeah. I don't <laughs> What's your puppy's name? Jasper. I can't tell Aww. I can't tell if he needs to or if he, oh no, now he's chasing his tail. It's a real thing. He's chasing his tail. It, this is real. Now he's okay. in downward dog playfully. Now he just bit he just bit well, the dog. He bed. just calls it downward, Janet. He just calls it downward. <laughs> That's right. Let's be respectful. Oh, I wish you could see this. Now I do wish we were on Zoom. After all of our complaining, <laughs> it would you would enjoy this so much. He's such a weirdo. Um what kind of dog? and and now he just trotted away. Uh, he's black. He's mostly black with some white trimmings. Um, and he uh, the, <laughs> that sounds like a Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> I know. I know, I know. <laughs> he's got uh, all the trimmings. If, to put it in in, in gastro, uh, I almost said astronomy. <laughs> 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 to put it in gastro astronomy terms, he's a he's a Leo. He's a luscious Leo. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. He is part border collie and part probably Jack Russell. So he's you know, he's like a 35 to 40 pound dog black with white trimmings and um <laughs> and you know some little white paws and uh, uh -huh. he's very funny and extraordinarily smart I've, I've i've i was posting a bunch of stuff on instagram that i will recommence post reposting i just uh like many people i didn't feel like anyone needed to see a cute dog during the protest and like um uh, movement towards social change so i have sort of cooled off mm -hmm. on that but life goes on in the sense that he remains a very funny dog so 
Um, but yeah, I can't, I couldn't, I, he just came up to me like with that urgency of a dog who's trying hard to communicate something. And I mm -hmm. felt like I really wanted to interpret it and I was worried that it was getting dire. And then he began chasing his tail. <laughs> <laughs> I do that with my cats. I have two cats, fries and brisket. And every once in a while I'll just be laying on the couch and they'll come sit on my chest and make like the most meaningful eye contact with me. Yeah. And I'm like, here it is. They're, they're telling me something. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, oh, they want to scratch. And I go to scratch them and they're like, no. And I'm like, you want food? And they're like, no. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's a real mystery. Oh, it's such a mystery. Well, he went away. So he's either pissing on the floor or he's, <laughs> he's like, I'll moved watch, on I'll with walk his myself. Life. Yeah. I'm done here. Uh, okay, um, Alinea. I'm so sorry that he stole the focus, but uh, no, I definitely please. have the chandelier of grapes. Alinea, uh, give me two more. Uh, I got to say, and this is based on my time in LA, uh, Lil Dom's. Oh, sure. I love that place. I've been, every time I go to LA now, I usually eat um, lunch and dinner there exclusively. Well, I'll tell you what, even during now this, you know, very tenuous reopening of sorts, um, mm -hmm. when I was, when I was on, oh, that was what I was going to say, actually. That's so weird. You know what's so weird? I was, when we were talking about the long walk thing and you were saying you missed eating out in restaurants, the thing I was going to say to you was on a long walk last night, uh. I still the evening so not dark out I was walking to go get takeout and I noticed that and the restaurant that I was going to tell you and I was like he's not gonna know where this is that it was seated outside and it almost looked like a normal evening in Los Angeles was Little Dom's they've, they've reduced their spacing of their tables but people were just like sitting at tables outside with their masks you know no masks yeah. on like being served by guys who yes were in masks but in every <laughs> other way it looked so normal that it was shocking that's, you know it was like oh my god jarring. people are just sitting and eating at yeah. little doms like like everything oh my god like is that's something's wild. changed yeah and that was fully that restaurant so amazing i think I, I love it so much because well one the food is great the atmosphere is even better and then also every time i go there i see someone where i'm like the first time i went there was with magic tavern and i think we saw uh, we saw ron perlman ordering like 20 meatballs to go oh sure and then the, the second time i went there like paulie shore was there and it's just you're it, two it, heroes it's no yeah, uh, buddy. It's nobody that I'm like starstruck by, but I'm like, this is cool. Yeah. Um. So I, I, I've associated coolness with that place. And then third would probably be there's a place in um, Raleigh, North Carolina called Allen and Sons uh, mm -hmm. Barbecue. And I would probably mm. say that barbecue is something I would want constantly. Wonderful. Uh, okay, great. Next, uh, next one, three movies that you can jump into and just hang out in that world. You're not reliving yes, the plot. Yes, yes, you yes. just get to go there. Uh, Beetlejuice number one. Great. Because what a weird, artful world. Um, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, great. Which is uh, blew my mind. And then the third one would probably be, I really, I, the movie I've seen most of my life is probably Grease. And I think there's something I've romanticized about the the 50s and like diner culture. So maybe oh, sure. <laughs> the go eight, to the 80s, high. 50s. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, in the 50s when uh, uh, most people in high school were 32 years old. But you really see that happening. That was like, that's been the most interesting thing for me in seeing like when the 80s started to come back. Like mm -hmm. the, the, what blew my mind was like, oh, I'm old enough to be able to remember and recognize that when that in the 80s, when we were little kids, the 50s everyone was obsessed with so it's like yeah. 30 years later like that's a like it feels like there's a 30 year mark like in the 50s yeah. 
But the 50s were the 50s. It didn't seem like in the 50s people were obsessing over the 20s. No. Do you know what I mean? But like it, but in terms of like our, the way we were consuming culture, like Back to the Future, Greece, like they're just, those are the literally the only was two Happy examples Days I can 50s? think of. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Happy Days. Yeah. Um, and that was like late 70s, early yeah. 80s maybe. Oh, thank you. You're making me feel better. And like mm-hmm. the Peggy Sue got married. Again, a mm-hmm. smaller version of that. But like there was, mm-hmm. it was because uh, people who are our parents' age or who are slightly older were, you know, they were like feeling very nostalgic about, the 50s i think and so yeah i guess that's and then like stranger things now you know what i mean like the people who are our age who are the anyway i find that all very fascinating uh so thank you for reminding me that that's a real phenomenon um yes okay next category phenomenon starring john travolta greece (laughs) sandy right oh you're so right to do is from greece when he goes sandy sandy <laughs> I mean, uh, no, I'm cool. Like, no, I don't know. Whatever. That's you know how n- it is. None of that is a direct quote. <laughs> I do not, not know. Uh, check the yellow pages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, side note: I was Greece in junior high in the '80s. Okay. Uh, next category is mm-hmm. three places in the world, whether you've been there or not, that you would like to have a getaway vacation getaway. I think number my favorite city in the world is probably New Orleans um just in terms of like I love the supernatural I love like haunted stuff I love the architecture the history the food is incredible the music um so yeah New Orleans um without Bourbon Street Bourbon Street's a shit show um but I love New Orleans number two would probably be uh if I'm dipping into into a place that's real but also fictional have you ever seen Sleep No More? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Oh, what a great thing. I feel we, like yeah, that... I think you, you and I have talked about Sleep No More. In fact, okay. I know we have. Okay. I know we but have. But I feel like that, e- even if I can't live in the, the quote-unquote world of it, even if I just yeah. lived in that building... <laughs> I know, I feel I like know. that is the most magical <clears throat> place. I've, that and Meow Wolf are like the two rem- places in my life yeah, where I'm like, I've, this is the most magical I've ever felt. Okay, first of all, I haven't been to Meow Wolf yet, and I can't wait. Second of all, I remember exactly where we were. We were in the kitchen of the place where we had just recorded Hey Riddle when you were here, and mm-hmm. we were, and there was like a little bar, kind of like a little bar counter yes, area, yes, yes. and that mm-hmm. is where we were talking about it. And I don't remember why, but I just remember that that we that like somehow I said something about like escape rooms or like mm-hmm. how I'm always trying to just remember because then we were then we've talked about going to an escape room together and stuff yes, and it just yes, hasn't yes. worked out yet but the talking about the world building and talking about like the fact that you know every you want everything to feel like sleep no more but it yeah that's kind of the the, the grand dom of that kind of immersive experience so nothing quite yeah. does it anyway uh i, I love Meow that wolf is right up there in terms of like the do, apex of a immersive theater and it's in one so of my I'd favorite say, places so gotta go oh santa fe yeah absolutely incredible um so yeah, I'd say uh, New Orleans, Sleep No More. And then I've always romanticized, I've never been there, but for some reason I've always romanticized Wyoming. I don't know what it is, but I always feel like that is a place I would love and I'm dying to go to. Yeah, I love Wyoming. So I'd say Wyoming. Is Jasper named after Jasper, Wyoming? No, kind of be okay. really cool if he was. Um, no, I've, I haven't spent a ton of time in Wyoming, but I went on a road trip with my dad uh, through a really long time ago, but through like Glacier National Park and all through yeah. Montana and down through Wyoming and into Colorado. And it was um, 
it's one of it's like my favorite road trip I've ever taken. It that was, sounds incredible. It was so wonderful. We stayed overnight yeah. in um I don't it wasn't Cheyenne. It was like some little small town, but not Jasper. Uh, and it was great. Okay, next Cody, category. Okay. Uh, it might well it might have been Cody. It might have actually been Cody. But isn't that like that's like still a famous like. I, gold rush kind of yeah i think cody's sort of locked era. in time where it's like yeah. howdy y'all like pan yeah. for gold and then jackson yeah. hole is more like we have money yeah yeah but jackson is also wonderful that's where i was for this uh that last big solar eclipse that came through the united states oh yeah um highly recommend that experience if anyone could do it okay next category i'm excited to do this because you just reminded me of your love of the supernatural three supernatural experiences that you would like to have Ooh, that i'd like to have um i would love i think it would be so fun as i've seen in movies to be possessed by a ghost um to have like a ghost uh, jump into my body and like finish whatever business it has I have to sure. imagine if they're jumping into my body, it's nothing It's nothing that requires too much effort. Where they're like, <laughs> I just had this text to send and then I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I need to finish the last chapter of this book I was reading uh-huh. when I died. So I think that would be pretty wild. And, and also to, to like be aware of it, but not being able to control it. Where I'm just like, I guess we're doing this. Yeah. Um, I feel like that would be real fun. As long as they had like righteous intent. Um, yes. What else? I feel like I would like to pass through a ghost like i see the classic uh sort of white uh uh, sort of clear outline of a ghost and then i walk through it and it gets real cold um just so i can tell people because i I know so many people who talk about having felt chills or walked in a cold spot Mm -hmm. and i i don't believe them but i also want to so i want to experience that so i can just be like yes i have also had that yeah that's Um, great and then I guess I'd want to, I mean, based on Ghostbusters, I'd love to fight a ghost. I'd love to have a ghost who's my nemesis and they're after me, but I have some sort of equipment where I can challenge <laughs> them and say, not so fast, touche, not today, ghost, and uh-huh. and uh, trap them in some sort of box that smokes. Uh, the When you said not so fast, touche, my immediate thought was that you would have some sort of fencing epee. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> penetrate the ghost <laughs> on guard on guard, on guard. <laughs> oh. oh i think it would also be fun Th- this is i guess it's still supernatural i think it would be really fun to have like a, a demon at the crossroads or a devil like be like like robert johnson style be like yeah what do you wish for and i trick it somehow oh sure we all want to trick the like, devil. yeah where i'm like you get my soul huh well how about this and i <laughs> there's some sort of mathematical way where i trick the devil and he's like oh no Right. And then he's and then he's banished or he has to like, you know, he has to self-flagellate for the rest of time or something. <laughs> I pulling one pulling one over on a demon is on my bucket oh, you list. You bet. You bet. Yeah. Pulling one over on a demon. <laughs> oh. It's going to be some weird thing where you die before you mm-hmm. get a chance to do that. So you're going to have to inhabit someone else's body. Mm-hmm. as your own ghost then inhabiting <laughs> someone else's body to then get one over on a demon because that was uh-huh. on your bucket list that's just like it's a, a whole rube goldberg machine of <laughs> of, of tricking a demon yeah yeah it's great uh okay this is mash we, uh, we gotta put in three uh ladies any characters from books movies cartoons uh actors okay. celebrities anyone living or dead from any era okay. any age you want them to be uh three Perfect. Um, and this is romantic? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. You've mentioned this on the show before, but I will say the sort of first time I, I noticed an attraction to anything was the female fox in that um, Robin Hood, Disney Robin Hood. Oh, this is Robin exciting. Hood. I think this is the first time the the girl that's, fox has gotten mm-hmm. some love. Oh, that's great. Okay. So I guess it's Marion. So, yes. Um, but that, I think that was the first time where I was like, ooh, la, la. Um, yeah. Also, Gina Davis and Beetlejuice. Oh, um, sure. I think, yeah, Gina Davis was, was one of my first crushes. I would say, um, in terms of like a real person w- without going into like one of their roles, I feel like, uh, Kristen Milioti, Mm-hmm. Yeah. to great. me, I'm like, this is such a wonderful human in terms of talent and just how they carry themselves and, and very attractive. Love um, it. I also remember, so that'll be one. Uh, the second one is going to be, I can't remember her name, but the lead in coming to America. Oh, I forget oh, her. oh, I, I, I misunderstood. I definitely thought that you meant that I should put Marion Fox and Gina Davis and Kristen Milioti. So I okay, so let's let's bump the fox. Mistake. Let's okay. bump the fox, and we're, the last one we're going to say is is um, I just looked up her name, Shara Headley, okay. Headley, and she was the she was the eventually became the queen in uh, Coming to America. Lisa oh, McDowell. Great. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I always okay. thought she was stunning. Yeah, she is stunning. I know exactly who you're talking about. And a quick shout out to, this, just because this is all flooding back to me, I remember watching the movie Street Fighter as a kid, uh-huh. and there's a character named Cammy, and I was like, this is the most attractive uh, person I've ever seen, and when I was probably 12 or something. And it turns out Cammy was played by Kylie Minogue. Oh, Kylie so Minogue I guess is very Kylie pretty. She's very like, yeah. she's like anime pretty almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's funny, yeah. Uh, shout out, shout out to Cammy. Um, okay, next category, let's do three, let's, I, I would like, now I want to hear who your three fictional buddies would be, three friends, um, any character, any person from any time. Um, so three buds, three friends, they can be fictional or real? Mm-hmm. Okay. One, I'm going to say, just because I feel like this is someone I would love to just chat with or have on the, have on the horn, as they used to say, uh-huh. is George Saunders, I feel oh, like is God, the most- yeah. The most like inche- intelligent, thoughtful, funny human—not um, that I know, but that I've uh, consumed their work. Yeah. So I feel like George Saunders is number one. Um, Did number you listen two... to his interview with Cheryl Strayed? No. You should listen to it. She's she has a, a podcast called um, I think it's called Sugar Calling. Uh, okay. And she her first episode. I haven't listened to many of the episodes, but I specifically listened because Brandon, my sweetie, uh, is loves George Saunders as well. And um, oh, so good! God, that'd be so fun. I would love to be in a booth with the, the three of you uh, at Little Dom's. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, she she talks to him. He was her graduate advisor, I think. It's in school. Oh wow! Um, and so they she calls him like early on in the. Um, like the safer at home stuff yeah and talks about like you know like like sort of how how are you how are you walking through the world in this new development um yeah so you should look that up uh yeah i think he's like a he teaches creative writing at syracuse or something which blows my mind in terms of like if i could ever experience that um so george saunders number one number two I, i don't know why this is so funny to me but i think it's really funny I think Gimli in Lord of the Rings is so funny when he says in my axe. And uh-huh. that's something I, I wish I wish more people instead of saying like um same like same girl same, I wish more people would say and my axe just to indicate <laughs> that you all you agree. <laughs> where it's someone where it's like, you know, if I eat too yes. much cheese, I get constipated and someone's like, Oh, 
and my ex. Um, so I hope that catches on. So I feel like. <laughs> Wait, did the, is that um, John? Uh, oh my God, why am I blanking on his name? The guy from uh, John. Yes. Yeah, the guy yeah, from yeah. Indiana Jones. John yeah, Rice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John, John Reese Davis or something. Yeah, John, John Reese Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. But I feel like that character in his acting, he's yes. so he's so charming and yet oh direct, oh and kind of just he he kind of shoots from the hip. So I like I like having someone who's just going to be like that the, that shirt doesn't look great on you, and I'm and I'm like thank you Gimli. So I feel like that would be he's got my back, but he also doesn't um, he doesn't hold back in terms of his opinion. I love it, and I, I'm so sorry that I have an anecdote or a thought about every single one of your things. This is going to be like the longest no, episode in the history of the podcast. Out. But I just want to quickly say that I met him. I met John Reese davies <gasps> at a Comic-Con, and he was... Oh, my God. He was that. Like, he... Yeah. Like, the only difference between him... I mean, obviously, he's not like a troll, but... Um, or a gnome. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, he... He is... He was so charming and so charismatic and so sweet and so funny, yet also true. And, you know, he's he's quite old. And this was a few years ago. Um, yeah. Truly just quotes Shakespeare, like not to show off. That's just yeah. his his life. Like he like seems, as, like the yeah. way you would say, oh, you know, the way you wanted to say, like, and my axe. Instead, yeah. it would be like an obscure Shakespeare quote. He's not going to be like tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps along this path. You know, like yeah. he he would just like start like he would just be like, well, you know, blah 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 blah. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> did you what did you just do like a paragraphs worth of like third like twelfth night or like <laughs> like it just like it was it, that's just that's t- for him that's saying like Vouch it's like him being like yes queen yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh anyway yes and my ex yeah exactly. i feel like he's the most i've seen interviews with him and he is the he is like the he might as well like be wearing a beret and like a a, a scarf to like fling back over his shoulder yes because he is the most theatrical person i've ever heard mm-hmm. or seen but i love it yeah. like he yeah. he has such a gregarious personality he's so oh. booming yeah and even like in indiana jones i remember being like I think this guy's one of my favorite actors just from his lines of like bad date and like just the way he he projects and and oh, yeah. uh he's just got so much energy pumping out of him. God yes. bless that guy. Yes, God bless. Okay, Gilly, um, sorry, then, I'll let you do your third one. And then third um and it's popping to mind just cuz who I'm talking to, I'm going to say uh Appa from from Airbender. Great. I feel like That's if crazy. I could just hug Appa every once in a while. I feel like my life would be so much better. I think many of us agree. Um, did you ever meet Appa? Did I ever meet, like, Appa as, like, in the universe of being Korra? <laughs> yeah. Is <laughs> yeah, there someone, yeah, who, voiced, is there someone yeah, who voiced Appa who just went uh, like, Oh, yeah. Well, like, D. Bradley Baker, okay. uh, D. Bradley Baker ah. does um, the uh, a lot of the creature voices. And so he, he okay. is, yeah, he was definitely in my world. So you can rest assured that I did. Good, 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 good. Um, and hopefully Appa was not, wasn't an asshole on set or anything. Not in the least. I think Only w- the best. The, maybe the hardest I've cried at TV is the episode of Airbender where Appa's captured. Oh, God. I don't That's even. maybe the most emotional I've been watching TV. Ugh. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, great choices. Great choices. I have two more categories thank you, thank for you. you. Next great. question. Next category is three... Uh, okay, what do I want to do for you? I just want to get these perfect. 
I don't want to deprive mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. of a category that you Thank wish you. that you would have received, but I can't, mm-hmm. but I don't know what else feels like. Oh, I've got to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what about three? <laughs> hey, while, while you think, can yeah. I give you one? Oh, what? This is unprecedented. Is, is this okay? Um, three do nicknames it. you wish you had. Oh gosh, that's great. Um, that's really great. And they can be nonsensical, like big scoops or whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just did. Um, <laughs> I just did like an RPG, uh, like a like a Lovecraft inspired RPG thing last yeah. Sunday um, that was set in Victorian era England, and I was uh, an orphan who was like trying to solve a mystery, and yes. my nick my name was Scraps. Yes, yes, um, and yes, I yes, yes. really responded positively to that, and I named him my, you know, myself. Well, I shouldn't say he's a him; he was sort of non-binary. But scraps, uh, my my identity of scraps felt very right, and I really yes, enjoyed please. that nickname. Did um, he talk with a little Cockney accent? Oh, definitely, hundred percent. I maintained <laughs> please, that for two crisps. and a half hours. Yeah. Yes, very much so. <laughs> I uh, feel like Victorian England is one of the places I would want to visit please like that. you love I feel the, like that, and you love was, the supernatural and like the paranormal and everything yeah, that was like the height at that point yeah yeah Hell that yeah. was like that was the era of like oh mother died let's take a picture of her body <laughs> like, oh totally and let's pose <laughs> and put it in the her. paper yeah yeah <laughs> let's put let's put mumsy inside an adult yeah. sized pram <laughs> put her body in okay uh no you know what this is my next category even though i only mm-hmm. got one of my nicknames to you but three eras and places that you get to visit mm. and no harm comes to you. So let's do Victorian era England. Creepy Absolutely. Victorian England. Creepy Victorian England, I would say, I mean, I mentioned like 50s culture, but uh, like I, I just love diners and that whole like energy and like getting malts and Eskimo pies seems wild. But I, I'm going to say uh, Victorian England, I'm going to say the Wild West because that's Great. something I've like I love anytime uh, any era that has embraced Sam Elliott is my kind of era. Indeed. So I feel like I would love to go to the Wild West, even though Deadwood obviously uh, unglorifies it, yeah. um, shows the nitty gritty. I feel like I just love, I love uh, Western culture. Yeah. So um, the third one would be Columbian Exposition in Chicago, just because oh, I've read yes. so much about that, and I yes. and I would try and track down H. H. Holmes, yes, knowing indeed. what I know today. Yeah. Ooh, don't you want to? Yeah, that's that fucking house. What a trip. Ugh. That mansion. Oh my god. Like you're. It's there's a sense of like everything about the idea of having like secret rooms and stuff and like is great. Other than that, you were using it to murder people. <laughs> yeah, it, it is something where I'm like, you see that in like horror movies, and you're like, this never happens to anyone. Yeah. These houses don't exist. And then I read Devil in the White City. And I'm like, yeah. this existed in like 1912. Oh, so like crazy. That is wild. It's like so little crazy. secret buttons and gas chambers. Yeah. And that's absolutely bonkers. So di- I mean, that's the where the like. Oh, that's why we have the word diabolical. Like that's yeah. why we had. And you know what? Yeah. You could go back there and you could get one over on him because he's like the devil. And then yeah. you would also be tricking the devil into like Ha-ha. inhaling his own poison this gas or something great um okay uh this is great this is great okay um Mm -hmm. last one now now i'm just like now i'm on a tear and basically all of these categories have become one and the same but now i want to hear three 
like because you just were saying all of this stuff that you love and mm-hmm. we've already covered sleep no more as being a world that you can like have the, a getaway but now like th- now i want to hear like three theme park rides or you know i used to, i used to do like three disneyland rides that um become real in some way so you could do disneyland uh-huh. rides but that can expand out to like you know for example in tucson there's a place called old tucson which is where a ton of western movies are still shot and stuff and so it's like very much this you know old west theme park that could kind of if you could suddenly make it real um or if like you know pirates of the caribbean became real or if excalibur the hotel became real three 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 fictitious places that are modeled after something that you can transform into like some kind of real world that you can go into oh yes 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 um number one i think is going to be the the aforementioned scary stories um to tell in the dark world Right. Just because that was so oogie and influential and spooky, and and it's I think it's so fun to be scared, which is why I love haunted houses and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, two would probably be like the the Shel Silverstein verse, like uh, where the sidewalk ends. Oh, great! All the character, all the weird kids and characters in that world would be oh, very fun great. to yeah to walk around in. Agreed. I feel like that would make a good theme park. Agreed. And three is gonna be hmm ta ta. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, double down on what I said earlier in the Monster Mash universe. I feel like what a fun time in history if that was the 60s or early 70s where everyone was obsessed with like surf and monster culture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where what people a are weird like cross, where, cross yeah, yeah. Where Boris Pickett led the way of just like I don't know Frankenstein raps and everyone's yeah. like yes this is good. <laughs> I feel like that's I, I, I just love oh. I love any of those like universal monsters but making them goofy and stupid <laughs> I agree I heartily um, agree yeah um, it really uh, resonates with with my sensibilities oh so yeah I, I feel like a, a monster mash themed park would be this is absolutely in my wheelhouse oh yeah. my god I'm so excited to see what the results will be and I'm very heartbroken already that you will only get mm-hmm. one out of each category <laughs> um, pick a number between one and five three okay I am going to do some very light math. Uh, okay. Will you please tell the listener what they should be enjoying of yours, where they can find you and all that good stuff? Oh, yeah. Um, you can check out, I have a few podcasts. One is called Hello from the Magic Tavern, um, which is an improvised fantasy podcast uh, that Janet has been on several times. And uh, it's real silly and stupid, and it's a lot of improvised world building. And then I also do another podcast called Hey Riddle Riddle, which Janet has also been on. Uh, one of my favorite episodes is with Janet. And that is uh, me and two hosts trying to solve riddles and lateral thinking problems and puzzles and doing improvised scenes along the way. Great. Um, oh, and I just thought of a nickname oh, yeah. for you. Has anybody... So uh, first name, last name, first two letters, J-A-V-A? Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Has anybody yeah. ever called you Java? <gasps> no. Is that fun? <laughs> Can I start calling you Java? Is that okay? It's uh, Java. Is Does that, that make sense? Is that, that makes fun? sense, right? Does it make sense? <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> Java, like the computer programming. Yeah, um, but you can I'm totally say call it. me Java. No one ever has. No one. No. But one I'm going to say ever. it like I'm going to say it like Shaba ranks says Shaba. Okay. <laughs> Great. Java. I think that's the best way to approach it. I, I love that there's even a way in which you have to say my nickname for it to truly mm-hmm. be your nickname. <laughs> um, okay. This is very exciting. I'm very, yes. very happy with the outcome. Um, this feels uh, this feels real good to me. So 
First of all, I want to congratulate you on, God, there's just so many adventures that you've had. You, uh, I'm super excited that you have the opportunity to go back to the World Fair and fuck with H.H. Holmes and be <laughs> in that era of Chicago. Uh, uh -huh. I'm totally going to hitch a ride so I can experience that as well because I very much want to see all of that. Um, so that's amazing. I want to congratulate you on your uh, very wonderful getaway home tucked into some area of Wyoming of your choosing. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, that's a house. So you got the house mm -hmm. out of Mansion Apartment Jack and House. You have a beautiful house in Wyoming. You can... Uh, whenever you want to just hang out and i mean let's go ahead and say it fly you can hang out with appa mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so you've created like a, a mode of transportation for yourself as well which i think was very clever even if you didn't need to <laughs> uh you i always thought i always thought it would be fun to have uh because appa had that arrow that ran down his forehead yep i always thought it'd be fun to have i'm with stupid written on his back I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're such a dork. I love it. What a dork. The best. I feel like anytime we hang out, it's me making a joke and then Janet laughing and going, <laughs> I don't know. That's not true. What are we going to do with you? In, I enjoy terrible puns as much as, if not more than you, which is probably why I've been welcomed onto a uh, tavern as many times as I have. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, okay. Next, I want to congratulate you on your uh, ability to, and this might come in handy, fight ghosts. Oh, yeah. Because you can also go whenever you want into the movie Beetlejuice. Ooh, yes. So the time may come where you may actually have to exercise your ability to fight a ghost. Exercise um, my right to exercise. Exercise your right to exorcise. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> saying that makes it sound like we are aliens from outer space who don't know how to pronounce <laughs> English. I will exorcise. I need some exorcise. Uh, okay. You can also, you've created for yourself and the rest of us a sort of theme park universe uh, based on Monster Mash. <laughs> yes. And yes, when you first go in, you're in a lab and it's late one night and then you... Oh, yeah. you, you play around with the chemistry and then oh poof God. there's a there's a mummy yes oh i, I love, love this. it i absolutely love it uh you also can uh have unlimited uh food from uh alinea mm. which seems like it will be a lot of fun yes and i will say i'm gonna send you some of the pictures of my oh, last do please do time yeah i ate there because it's absolutely wild yeah what they i do. really want you to and then uh all of this you were enjoying with um the lovely uh shira Heedley. Ooh, Shira yes Heedley, yes yes, yes. Right? Um, she's my queen to be she's your special queen to be mm -hmm. uh this has been and then i'm what a my yeah, family oh, please, owns mcdowell's me. oh that's right one of my favorite bits well, of all time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we really tied this up in a McDowell's shaped bow. Um, okay. Let me now let me offer this up to you. I yes. I previous to this particular summer, every summer since the second summer I've had the JV Club, I have had this Boys of Summer um 
series and I have invited people to sing a snippet at the end of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. That being yeah. said, this has been such a wild summer and everything has been sort of thrown into upheaval uh, that I have even been, I've recorded a couple of episodes that have had really nothing to do with Boys of Summer and uh -huh. every once in a while someone will tell me that Don Henley's a dick. So I have, I'm Ooh. opening up the summer series to be, if you want to sing a snippet of like a song that you love that you associate with summer uh you yeah. can also do that if you don't want to talk about like the other day you saw a deadhead sticker on a cadillac yeah. or what have you okay thank you so much this works out pretty well because anytime i go to sing boys of summer i accidentally sing in the air tonight followed by <laughs> hold on so, right. so i always do instead of the i'm always like I can feel it coming in the air tonight. If you hold on for one more day. I always do that. I don't know what's wrong with my brain, but they're all just one song. Great. So so what I'm going to do, um, of course, uh, my summer is my summer smash, my summer monster smash. So I'm going to sing the opening lyrics to Monster Mash. Beautiful. Um, which is, uh, I was working in the lab late one night. And that's and that's where I'll, I'll end at. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me so happy. Uh -huh. Oh, what a what a wonderful afternoon I just made you spend with me almost two hours. Thank worth. you, thank you for um, having me. And I, I just want to say I feel like you you're I, I, since I've been in the podcasting industry, if we can call it that, I feel like you've been the kindest, most supportive, wonderful, giving, uh, selfless person I've met. So thank you for all for all your support and just being so amazing. I feel like. Anytime I get a chance to talk about like who in the podcasting industry is amazing, I feel like the McElroys and like you and Jeffrey Craner, like I just feel like you are so giving and supportive and, and kind. And oh I, I don't want you, I don't want that to go uh, unsaid or, or unnoticed. Oh boy, thank you so much. I, you just put me in such amazing company and I just adore you and I love the tavern guys and I just love uh, Hey Riddle Riddle. And I, I think you are such a, a, a wonderful like you're just someone that I feel like I could have grown up with, even though you were too important yeah. and living the casino life at age eight and stuff. But you know, like you're, you're just one of those people that when we met, I was like, Oh, this is my friend. Like whether he mm -hmm. likes it or not, this, I recognize this person. Like there's something here that I see that feels like mm -hmm. very familiar and very like enjoyable and fun and safe and like just very familiar. Um, yet, you know, I can't think of anyone you're like, it's just, there's just like some sort of under, Underlying, like recognition that I felt like it's I, I grew I up felt in with Sin you. City, baby. They used to call why. me Johnny Crap. And that's why. <laughs> that's why you stink of it. You stink mm -hmm, of it, mm -hmm. and I love it. <laughs> Oh, okay, everyone. If you are not familiar with um, these wonderful podcasts that we have talked about, please check them out. And uh, I will talk to you next time on this podcast. Java. <laughs> And finally, it's present me wrapping up the episode with just a big thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our members for supporting the show. We are so grateful that you've chosen to contribute financially and to support us being able to create this show in a way that's authentic and beholden to no one but our audience, which I can say as a gal working in this business in general, the 
entertainment business, as it were, that's a big deal. It really means something. So thank you for making that possible. If you haven't had a chance to become a member yet, but you can and you want to, you can do so at MaximumFun.org slash join. Be well, take care of yourselves, and I will uh, talk to you next week. Again, just a very high-pitched, strange way to end the podcast, but we've done it. Okay. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.